Hi everybody, I just thought I'd check in just for a really quick catch up. I have been meaning to record so many podcasts, so many topics. I'm literally bursting with all of the things I want to talk about, some recent posts we've had on the page that are just so interesting and all the comments and the discussions around them. But sadly, at the moment, I'm not well. Now, I know that I'm always unwell because I have a chronic illness. So, you know, that I know that's a common thing that I share with everybody. But of late, there's been some other developments and I don't think it's just down to my condition. Um, you know, I'm going to be blunt since having... I'm not saying it's all down to this, by the way, but I have a really kind of weakened immune system anyway. And having an autoimmune disorder means that I think my body doesn't react to things in the way that it, maybe it should that it should and um, I do have MCAS and mast cell activation syndrome which means I can react very unpredictably to different things so I appreciate this is probably why the thing I'm about to disclose happened but um, I've had three COVID vaccines and my first one I had the kind of typical achiness and, all, and fatigue and all those kinds of things but my second one I reacted to so extremely and initially, everyone was kind of telling me that wasn't the case and that couldn't be the case, but it was awful. And when I've tried to explain the symptoms to people, no one's really understood. Um, only those who kind of witnessed it, who saw it. If I say, yeah, my glands swelled up and that kind of thing, they say, well, that's quite normal for a gland to swell up, but it wasn't just gland swelling. I was so swollen around um, my neck, all the glands in my neck and my collarbone, um, you know, my arm was terrible and then under my arm and all that kind of thing, that I actually couldn't move my neck. The pain was indescribable and I had to literally lie in bed for days and it took weeks, uh, a couple of weeks to kind of get back to any kind of normal. But I've never fully got back to normal in terms of I now have this uh, lymph node that is permanently swollen in my collarbone. And it's being monitored and, you know, they aren't really concerned that it's anything really dangerous, but they do have to just monitor it because it is permanently there. And sometimes it's larger and sometimes it's smaller, but it is always present. And then the third vaccine came, the booster, and I was so worried about having that done because of how I'd reacted. But I figured that the first one was fine. I'd probably be okay. Come the third one, I reacted really badly again. Not as severely as the second time, but still really bad. And this time I had it in the other arm because I didn't want to risk kind of affecting everything that had happened down the other side and the other arm. And actually the same thing happened down the other side. So it definitely was uh, by this point confirmed that it was a reaction to the vaccine. And I'm, I'm not saying this is a typical experience for everybody, but I do know of some other people who've had this. And interestingly... Um, I'm not sure if there's a link, but neurodivergent people seem to be having um, some reactions. But saying that, many don't. My husband didn't react at all. In fact, I think out of my family, I reacted badly. I think my sister reacted badly to one and my brother-in-law reacted badly to two of them. But most people I know have just had achy arm and been back to normal. So far, and I'm saying this touching wood, <laughs> I've not had COVID and I am really paranoid about it because of the way that I've reacted to the vaccines. And I'm very concerned that if I get it, it's going to not really be very good. Uh, why am I telling you about this? I just want to make it clear that I'm not anti-vax. Obviously, I've had them. Um, people are entitled to their own opinions, but it's something that felt like the right thing for me to do. But now that I'm in a position where I'm being asked to 
expose my children to them, I know that it's better to kind of have them safe, but I'm scared they're going to react like I did. So it's not a easy decision. It's something I have to really think about. But I'm so terrified that COVID is closing in because people who I know who didn't have it are now starting to get it. And yeah, it's just crazy because I don't think that there's the same fear as there was. I mean, I still clean all our shopping. I still wear a mask everywhere. I am a little bit, like some people call me paranoid, but I'm just very vigilant. And I always like to use that word vigilant instead of fussy and paranoid. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong, especially when you are somebody who's already unwell and has quite a bad time with my flare-ups and all the rest of it, to be maybe a bit more concerned than most. But I do get teased a lot for feeling worried. And I think it's, again, it's just one of those things that we've talked about before. But hey, what's new? That's been my whole life, hasn't it? (laughs) Everything I say and do has been scrutinised and uh, dismissed. And yeah, this is crazy, really. So, but recently, since having the second and third COVID vaccines, my body is obviously not kind of, it doesn't feel like it's gone back to normal. But I've got all these other things going on. I've got a couple of lumps that have come up and they're not going. And I'm being monitored Um, But I'm just in a lot of pain. And what's increasingly uh, affecting me at the moment is um, not just the pain and the swelling and the inflammation uh, that just doesn't seem to be going because it's been months since my last vaccine. But um, the fatigue is becoming so intense. I've um, spoken to doctors over the phone, but there hasn't been any face-to-face appointments available. So we actually had to use our credit card and pay for a private appointment because I was so desperate to be seen. And so far, there are a few things that we have to monitor. There are a couple of things being investigated because, um, you know, just because of the pain and things I'm in. They're not 100% if it's linked to the vaccine. It could just be purely coincidental. Or it could just be, um, as one doctor said, that I have a weakened immune system and it could have just activated something in me, especially because of the MCAS. Um, But I'm not at all going to sit here and say that it's definitely because of the vaccines, because it's not. So I'm not here trying to be a conspiracy theorist or anything like that. I'm just sharing my experience and why I've been struggling recently to kind of keep on top of the page and the comments and the podcast. And my word, there's just so much I want to share with you. But I'm just not myself at the moment. And hopefully, you know, we'll start to find out what's going on and I'll be on the mend soon. But at the moment, I'm not really in a very good place. And and like I said, I've got my child at home full time so it's just I'm really drained and I'm having to step down from a lot of the things that I do outside of the page which has really been quite a heartbreaking thing for me but because my health is just so um bad and unpredictable which it was anyway but it just seems to have intensified because I'm having such a bad time it just means that I can't commit reliably to things at the moment and hopefully that won't be the case forever But I need to kind of think about decreasing my cognitive load and giving myself some time to rest because I think I've just overloaded myself. Also, as I shared on the page, I've been going through burnout and a couple of weeks ago I had quite a massive breakdown and someone on the page said, you know, do you think it might be depression? And it could well be depression or at least uh, be presenting like that. But um, it's really interesting. I was speaking to a relative of mine who... Uh, is very skilled in the area of like emotional well-being and that kind of thing and and I said to her you know why on earth 
am I in such a low place at the moment when this is the first time actually since you know my children have been tiny that all of the professionals are in line like all of them are supporting us and agreeing with us things are actually progressing and you know why now am I kind of experiencing it so intensely when I've been fighting all these years and having these little burnouts but then picking myself up and why is this so bad and she kind of reasoned with me that I've been in battle mode for years and while it's a relief that things are now falling into place a little bit more so that I've been in that mode I've been kind of living on my adrenaline this whole time and I think um that coupled with like my immune system and and my health and uh, and all the things I juggle in life that so many of us juggle and having my child at home and all that kind of thing. She said, it's only really normal, isn't it? It's only human. And I think, what's happened? You've been fighting so long and kind of holding everything together so long. And I think now you've just kind of broken. And I've often said, that's the word I use. When I have these breakdowns or these burnouts, um, I always say, I feel broken. And it's the only way I can kind of describe it because I just can't function in the way that I normally can. But normally I'm really great at picking myself back up again. But at the moment I feel like the thing we always apply to the children with the Coke can effect. You know, that it's bubbling all day and each shake of that can is going to, um, you know, increase the bubbling and the pressure. And then when that can is opened, it explodes. I feel like that's me. I feel like before I would have my burnout, I'd have my explosion and then I could kind of restore some kind of calm afterwards. But at the moment, I'm never returning to the calm state if that even existed. So, yeah, this is a kind of a slightly new place for me to be in. But what I'm quite proud of myself over, like I said, as much as it's heartbreaking, is that normally I'm the kind of person who will just keep going no matter how I'm feeling. I'm a perfectionist. I don't want to let people down. Um, but I have reviewed the fact that I'm not coping. So I am now, you know, stepping back from things and responsibilities that aren't essential. I would still like to think I can pick these up in the future, but at the moment it's just the right thing for me to do. It wasn't a decision I could, you know, take lightly because I'm involved in projects and things outside of the page that mean a lot to me and they're normally centred around neurodiversity, um, trying to give my autistic experience to uh, certain projects and trying to um, educate people and make things better. Um, so yeah, I do find it really, really hard to step away because I know there are other people out there and I'm not the only person with this experience. I'm not the only person with that voice. But in a lot of the circles I've been in and the projects I've been involved in, I'm very often the only autistic person there. And you know, I don't think that's good in itself, to be honest with you, but it just concerns me that if I'm not around to be involved, I mean, I've, I've stressed how important it is to have the autistic voice and everybody's in agreement. So hopefully they'll find somebody to replace me. Um, and I think that that's part of the problem I'm having of stepping away is you feel like you are letting everybody down and that, you know, you're not going to, things aren't going to be done properly or I, I don't really know how to word it. But you know, for my own kind of well-being, I just need a break. I've been actually having to go to bed every single day for a rest, which is just not like me. During flare-ups, it can be like it, but this is permanent now, and I think that's what's um, getting to me, is things have changed a little bit. But like I said, you know, it could just be 
a combination of all the things I've already said. Maybe I just need to give myself this break. Hopefully be able to build myself back up again. So what else did I want to catch up with? So there was my health situation, which is kind of the um, the biggest thing at the moment that is causing a lot of issues. The children have been oh, making huge progress in so many ways, in so many areas, and we're so proud of them. But they're also really challenging still and people can't understand that when you know they can't make that connection how they can be so wonderful and yet so challenging um but like we've discussed before some of those challenges are actually more to do with the world around us and the people around you not understanding what you're all living through and uh for the last kind of month or so my husband's been working away quite a lot my mum's been here kind of supporting me and she said and she said it before so it's not new but she said it's so interesting because, you know, I know these children so well and, like, I'm the only person who ever has the children. Once a week I'll have them for a while. They'll come and have dinner and she'll get them ready and then bring them home. And it's just lovely for us just to have that tiny bit of respite, especially because I am with my eldest all the time. And as gorgeous as he is, he does have, you know, very complex needs. He's very intense. He needs your undivided attention. He's constantly making noise or touching you. And uh, I feel so privileged to have him here with me and to have that extra time with him. So it's not a complaint. But for somebody, I think for anybody, it would be a lot, to be honest. But for somebody who's got their own sensory issues and that kind of thing, um, I do find it difficult sometimes. And I think that's also contributed to maybe me feeling like I am. So you've got the health stuff, you've got all the work I'm juggling, all the volunteering work I do. And then obviously these challenges uh my my youngest who is at school is having uh it has a one-to-one now things have improved greatly at school still having some wobbles there but they've reduced because he now has that adult to help calm him but as we've discussed he's never fully um going back into a true calm state he's always bubbling and when he's at home we're just getting the outbursts and the explosions and the crying so it's not that they're being, you know, what people refer to as naughty, which I'm not a fan of that word anyway, but they're just challenging and they're challenging in the way, in a way that they're not purposely trying to be, but just the way they are is quite emotionally draining because you have to just be on it all the time. You have to be watching them all the time. You have to be the detective. You have to be careful how you word things and, you know, and, and things like bedtime can be very stressful because it can be dragged out a very long time. And often that's because they have their own anxieties and it's not necessarily about bedtime, but they might have had a bad day and everything has to be handled so very carefully. And sometimes you're not in a space to be able to handle that. And of late, I am not myself. So whilst I don't think I'm being terrible, uh, they're definitely picking up on, I think, a level of irritability and anxiety from me, probably through my health. And so, yeah, it's not... um, completely harmonious in our household at the moment and you know just daddy not being around is definitely different as well so yeah lots going on there but um I've totally lost the point of actually what I was saying which is really helpful isn't it so um but yeah just such a lot going on we've been speaking to professionals about the children with their differing needs and so trying to get the HCPs reviewed and all that kind of thing and with very varied success But yet again, you've got professionals who just don't understand PDA and I am really tiring of it. I understand it's kind of relatively new and that it's not on everybody's radar, which is why I go on about it so much on the page. So for those who aren't aware, PDA is pathological demand avoidance. 
is a profile on the autistic spectrum. And um, it's when you have somebody who is autistic, but they might not present how you would expect, even though autism is far more nuanced than I think a lot of people realise. So, you know, I say this with caution because I still think people are relying too heavily on the stereotypes. Um, But yeah, it's just really frustrating. But what I'm finding really hard is that there are some professionals who will not admit they don't know or don't understand, or they'll talk at you as though, I don't know, that you're using some kind of excuse or it's not a real thing. And I'm just so frustrated with it all. And my husband and I, we've just been speaking to countless professionals recently and going to countless meetings. I have been with the volunteer work I do and with the work I do outside of the page. And what you can't get your head around sometimes is you can spell it out so very clearly, but they don't get it. And as I've said before, this is likely down to the fact that if you haven't lived it and you haven't actually experienced it, then it's really hard for you to comprehend. But that's infuriating for us as parents, isn't it? And as you know, and I, I don't know, I despair. I said to my husband, as usual, I'm feeling really triggered again this evening because you spend a lot of your energy trying to explain things to people and they just don't get it and sometimes I know they can't help it but sometimes they're resisting you they don't want to get it it feels like they've really decided for you what the case is for your children and they're just being willful or they're just being naughty or they're just spoilt and in some cases not with my children but with other people that I've worked with school settings specialist school settings who claim to understand PDA are, you know, still, as we've discussed before, giving sanctions or saying or trying to blame parents for the children's behaviour. And and then the challenging behaviour thing really annoys me as well, because that's used an awful lot. And my children are challenging, but it's a really hard thing when you say behaviour. I think I've used it before. So, you know, I can't talk. I know that sometimes things come out and you're not necessarily meaning it to present that way. But The children are challenging, but it's not necessarily that their behaviour is. I suppose it is, um, but I don't think it's conscious. I know it's not conscious. And sometimes when people are talking about them and their challenging behaviour, it can be quite triggering because it feels as though they're trying to say that these children are consciously behaving in a particular way. And there are very legitimate reasons why they act the way they do. Um... A lot of people still do not understand the demand avoidance aspect. And especially if I have maybe asked the children to do something and I haven't worded it well on maybe one occasion and they've gone and done it and then people go, oh, they did that one. And again, I think people are understanding the tolerance for demands or, you know, it can change throughout the course of a day and daily. So... That frustrates me. There are times where I can actually be a bit more direct with the children. It's just not my go-to and it isn't something they can tolerate all of the time. But of course there are times when as human beings they're more secure, they're less anxious, they're confident and they're able to tolerate things. But you still have to be careful even in that case. But if, um, if for example, I directly said, oh, do you mind grabbing your socks from the table or something? Um, Because maybe I've placed them there. Because on maybe one occasion you know sometimes I'll speak like that and then regret it instantly and think oh gosh this could really go wrong um and then be really thankful when it doesn't because most of the time I'm very careful with how I word things but sometimes you do slip up you're not going to get it right all of the time 
Um, but yeah, if somebody witnesses that, they then all of a sudden say that, you know, they're not pathological demand avoidance because they were okay in that one situation. And it is just so frustrating. But what they don't see is it does go beyond just that one aspect. And I think people, again, they try and put autism in a box. People who are trying to get their head around PDA are trying to put PDA in a box. And that's far more nuanced. I think everything is kind of so much more complex than people try and kind of paint it. So, yeah, that's triggering me at the moment is, you know, I'm I'm all for getting the education out there. But some people don't seem to want to hear it. And some people just want to assert their authority and their knowledge on you or tell you that you're wrong because it's just that your child has poor attachment or your child has this. And whilst I am in total agreement that some children, some people do have, um, will present as having PDA when maybe there are other factors that need to be explored. I'm not against that at all. But um, there are some cases where that's been ruled out or it is very clear that it's PDA, but people just won't accept it. And I'm not really understanding the logic behind the resistance from many professionals. I don't get why they can't embrace that and embrace the helpful approaches. Instead, it feels like people want to dismiss it and to negate it. And I don't understand that logic either. And through... So many comments on the page as well. I can just see that people are having a really tough time. And uh, one of the biggest things at the moment that keeps coming up is the parent blaming. We're in a we're in a time where, you know, people are saying, why are so many children having trouble going to school? It never happened in my day. And I don't know, things are different. I think we could go off on a tangent here about, you know, the school system and how it's changed over the years and that kind of thing. But, you know, as much as I didn't particularly love school... Um, if I were to compare it to now, see, some people say, but it's freer now and, you know, more creative now. But I think there's a lot more pressure now on children. And you've got the things about attendance and it is a stressful time to be a child and to actually be a family. And uh, some people scoff at that because they'll go, well, the Victorian times, well, this. But it's just so frustrating. You know, people are people are changing and evolving the system really hasn't evolved, to be honest, and exam pressure, pressure to attend, pressure on families, you can't go on holiday in turn time, and, you know, there are just so many things these days that I, th- and also just, you know, the the whole culture that we have as a society, um, the way that social media now has a part to play, you know, if it hasn't been photographed and stuck on social media, did it even happen? <laughs> I just think it's, we live in a really different time, we've had a pandemic, there's a lot of anxiety, people have been through an awful lot, there's a lot of mental health issues, I just, uh, poverty, huge factor that people never ever really consider, things are not great at the moment and I get so sick and tired of it when people try and compare with other times, like the fact is it's irrelevant to be honest with you, people are struggling and then I keep hearing that people are overdiagnosing autism that, you know, many of these autistic people with the diagnosis shouldn't have it, like me, for example, because we're not clearly, we're not really autistic. And that if we are going to be diagnosed, we should have something separate to show that we're not that kind of autistic. And I mean, gosh, this could also go off on a tangent, so I won't. But just so much of this out there at the moment. And actually, you know, we've said before, children with SEND, with these these different needs, are becoming more and more and people are saying, oh, that's because people are playing on it. Oh, that's because, um, you know, people are faking it. They're attention seeking. 
And I think it's just, you know, well, where were they in my day? They were there. They were there. They just presented differently or they masked. Well, why aren't they doing that now? Well, there are some children who can't physically do that all of the time. Um, but again, we're in a different time. We're starting to understand more, recognise more. I just don't understand how making all these comparisons and denying the existence back then and denying the existence now is helpful. Like, the fact is, more and more people are identifying as being neurodivergent and having these different needs and these kind of different ways of thinking. And I don't really understand... I don't understand the movement to deny people that. So... I just think that the systems need to change and maybe that's what the problem is because they're not really fit for purpose, especially for the demand. But it's growing. More and more people are realising that they didn't really get the support they needed and and that's created a lot of trauma for them as adults. And so when people say, oh, well, it didn't happen in my day or, oh, when I was young, I was fine. A lot of adults are now starting to realise that actually they are neurodivergent. They're finding out in their 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond and they're seeing what an impact that's had on their life. And they're, they're grieving for what could have been, which is what we've discussed before. So, you know, I think now we don't want to deny these things. We want to actually help the next generation. But yeah, that's another thing that's been triggering me. There's just so, so much, like I said, that's been going on on the page. And I've not been able to even engage in the comments as much as normal. Uh, which has been really hard because I just love responding to people and having those discussions and I don't think I've managed to get back to everybody in the um, from my private messages either and you know that's even been overloading me because I just feel like again people think I'm not responding or I'm letting them down and I'm not meaning to I'm just not very well at the moment so I'm tapping in and out as and when I can but I, I am trying to take a bit of a break even from the page because I just can't commit to it at the moment the way that I normally do so um, yeah, I'm just going to finish the little catch-up with um, the point I was just making about, you know, people saying people like me shouldn't have an autism diagnosis. It's And, and still a lot of people having the low high-functioning debate. <laughs> oh, it's just absolutely crazy. I've had to say to somebody today, a professional, that high functioning and life low functioning really should be removed and I'm still seeing so many comments on the page about me being high functioning and having no support needs despite the fact that I you know communicate a great deal of the difficulties I have because I can record this because I can type on a blog you know there's nothing wrong um it's incredibly insulting and then you get people saying, oh, so you basically want to put yourself in the position of somebody who's low functioning. So you're trying to deny them the support they need. No, not in any way. Um, you know, I think we we talked about this in another podcast about the low and high functioning debate. And that isn't what the point is. Removing the terms is not actually removing the support for people. It's just saying that it's not adequate. And then a lot of the criticisms about that have been, well, if you're going to remove low and high functioning, which I don't believe were actually um, official terms anyway, to be honest with you. But if you are going to remove them, then you need to show something else in place. Now, as we know, the DSM-5 uses the three levels of support, but that's not really adequate either. So I agree that it's really tricky, um, but low and high is just too binary. It just doesn't work. So I am getting really frustrated at the repetitions and I think what it is, is when you um, explain something to people and you 
having to do it over and over, it just gets really tiring. So some of these discussions are starting to wear me down a little bit at the moment, especially with the professionals, because I just feel like they should know better. Um, So yeah, my husband and I were speaking to a professional and whilst there was some amazing knowledge they had, a lot of it was very out of date. And then when we tried to kind of update them on things, um, they just weren't very receptive. And yeah, it's just kind of, oh, just makes you think what's the point sometimes, doesn't it? But hey, we persevere. I'm going to go because I'm doing my usual little waffling routine. So um, I just want to say hi, let you know how things are. And hopefully we'll be able to record some proper podcasts soon based on some of the content we've had on the page and just things that I've had in my head for months. I hope you're all well. Take care and speak soon.